The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Before we get into calling the action, Mike, how's it going? Been better, man. <laughs> been better. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, uh, I tend to get bad coughs and I have another one. So you're going to hear a lot of my co-host tonight because um, I'm having trouble drinking some sentences together. But uh, other than that, feeling good. You know, I got the Rona test today and man, once again, like this one wasn't as deep as the first one I got, but man, still brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> like it hurts. Um, it's not fun, but uh, so I've just been kind of isolating here the last two days because that's when the cough kind of came up and, you know, trying to make sure I'm not that guy on the news. He went to the gym. He went to the restaurants. He went to the like, I don't want to be that guy if I am sick, if I do have it. So just uh, just been laying low, kind of, you know, enjoying what I can do in my apartment and. Thank God for AW Dynamite tonight. Kind of gave me a a nice break, but other than that, oh good. How you doing, buddy? I am doing pretty well. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Dynamite tonight, which we'll talk about. But I enjoyed uh, my warm up to Dynamite even more, which was these crazy burgers that I made for dinner. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was kind of an experiment of like here are things that we have in the house that I think would make good burger topping. So it ended up as uh, sauteed onions, avocado, uh, pimento cheese, lettuce, tomato, and Fritos on a burger. And uh, I got to tell you, the Fritos really bring the crunch factor in a big way. And uh, I like texture. So uh, yeah. put all of that Fritos, on. Fritos a- are an underrated, underrated chip. By the way, oh for sure, call my chip vastly sure. underrated. Love me some Fritos. Yeah, well, if you ever get the uh, the inclination to put Fritos on a burger, I can tell oh, you from dude. experience, it's delicious. There was a burger joint in Texas near where my folks lived, and it was called Moody's, I believe. And I had one of the best burgers of my life there. It was a chili cheeseburger. So it was the burger, then it was a layer of chili, Fritos on it, and then they put the cheese over all of that, so the cheese kind of held it all in place, so it wasn't oh, super messy. Yeah, so it was kind of like a little pocket for the Fritos and chili to sit. And my God, dude, one of the best burgers I've ever had in my life. And since then, I've I've used chili as a burger topping, because it's just fantastic. So, but yeah, yeah and it had been Fritos, too. Oof. I'm I'm a sucker for a gimmicky burger. Like I like a breakfast burger with like, you know, hash browns and maple syrup and bacon on it. Like it's good stuff. Next time you come up, I'll take you to the Boston Burger Company. Um, they're known for like outrageous burgers. And then they also have like gigantic milkshakes. So like one of their milkshakes is it's a milkshake and then there's a big stick sticking out of it and there's a slice of cheesecake sitting on the stick. I think um, I've seen that, but that is extremely yeah. my jam. Yeah, we'll we'll go there next time you make a trip to Boston, probably in 2022. <laughs> God, let's hope it's sooner than that. Um, 
Yep, man. I I was joking around with some friends. Like, we have a VE day, a VJ day to commemorate when we beat the Germans and the uh, Japanese. Like, are we going to have a vaccine day when one, one gets uh, approved? Because I feel like from a historical perspective, that's going to be a big fucking day when it happens. So um, I don't know about, you know, VV day or was it victory over COVID fees VC day? Oh, that sounds like a disease or something. Either way, we'll workshop. <laughs> we it. should Come up with something. We'll workshop it. We'll celebrate because um, the death to the Rona is uh, needs to happen. Needs to happen. Anything else, buddy? Before we uh, we dive into uh, the week that was, let's get into it. The following podcast will contain nope, spoilers. Nope, that's the wrong button. That's the wrong button. <laughs> Shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, my bad. One second. <laughs> Um, my fat fingers hit the wrong button, guys. Uh, Joel, the take dynamite it away. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> All right, Dynamite started off with the Young Bucks taking on Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order to kick off Tag Team Appreciation Night. Uh, the Young Bucks got the victory in that affair, which was uh, followed by the next promo in MJF's campaign to be AEW champion, where he was attacked by John Moxley, who sneakily came from the backstage area instead of coming through the crowd as usual. We also got Scorpio Sky taking on Cody as the latest entrant in the TNT Championship Open Challenge. Cody declared himself the Prince of Pro Wrestling and backed it up with a win, retaining his title. This was followed by Adam Page and Kenny Omega defending their tag team championship against Jurassic Express. Page and Omega getting the victory in that affair. We got a backstage segment with Proud and Powerful destroying the best friend's luggage with bleach and a shower. And uh, then the actual tag team appreciation night segment starring FTR, the Young Bucks, the Rock and Roll Express, and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. As you can probably imagine, chaos ensued when they started arguing over who the best tag team on the planet was, and uh, Tully Blanchard was the only sensible person in the ring, arguing that none of yes. them were the greatest, since none of them had the championships. It all devolved into a kerfuffle, ending with Ricky Morton taking a spike DDT from FTR. This was followed by a match between Hikaru Shida and Heather Monroe making her AEW debut. Shida getting the win easily in that affair. We then got a backstage segment with Lance Archer and Jake the Snake Roberts in which Jake was trying to cut a promo before he was interrupted by Lance Archer who ripped his shirt off to reveal everybody dies on Jake the Snake Roberts' back. Finally, we got our main event between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Orange Cassidy avenging himself and getting the win over Chris Jericho, who tried to use Mike Chioda to get a nefarious victory. Chioda was having none of it. Stripped Jericho of his baseball bat. Orange Cassidy gets the win. One, two, three. That was dynamite. Man, you got the timing right, man. That, that clip was almost about to end, so let's move on to... Stock up, stock down. And Joel, why don't we just start at the main event? We talked last week about the importance of Cassidy going over here. 
end, dude. They gave the people what they wanted. Orange Cassidy defeated Chris Jericho. One, two, three. What are your thoughts, man? What are your thoughts? This match was really fun, uh, as all Orange Cassidy matches are. But what really got me with this one was I thought we weren't going to get it. You know, when when Jericho got the bat and it seemed like everything was going sideways, we saw Jake Hager get involved and hit Orange Cassidy with a big power move. We saw a low blow to Orange Cassidy. I mean, it really seemed like everything was stacked against him and he found a way to overcome. And that's the kind of storytelling that's quintessential to professional wrestling. And I really enjoyed what was on display here. Yeah, they did a good job because, you know, this definitely was a predictable outcome, especially because they were touting it as Jericho Jericho Cassidy too, with the hashtag and everything. Like, you kind of know, okay, they got to get Cassidy the win here so we get to that third match down the line. But yeah, the, the feeling that, oh no, I literally thought Hager running in, that that was the match. That was the match. We got a hot spot when he kicked out of that, whatever, Hager bomb, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a, a good way of messing with our expectations and creating excitement over something that we we considered like a very probable to happen. So good storytelling there. You know, the match itself was was solid. You know, uh, you know, Jericho just can't move at the pace anymore to really do like a, a barn burner type match. But uh, psych psych wise, this was perfect. I love Cassidy kind of being serious from the get go um, and just loved, loved what both guys brought to this match. And it, they made the right call. It made sense. It makes the storyline even better. So kudos to them. This is what Jericho has to be in AEW right now. He needs to be making stars. And we talked about last week about how other than, you know, taking a pin to Scorpio Sky early on in AEW, he hadn't really been giving those pins to the younger guys. So um, for him to put over Cassidy here is just huge. You know, we, we already believe that Cassidy's in, you know, top tier now star wise, but um, just even, even bigger, man, even bigger. Now this is, this is what we wanted. So I I have no complaints. Great match, fun storyline. And I'm sure we'll get Cassidy Jericho three down the line at some point too. Yeah, and with the uh, ratings going up over the last couple of weeks, it's really important to showcase somebody in the main event that is new to the fan base and someone that they can get excited about. So if if you're one of those new viewers tuning in over the past few weeks, you've seen Orange Cassidy in these kind of spotlight segments, and now you got the payoff. He wins a big match. This is someone you can immediately attach yourself to and root for such a relatable character and someone that you know anyone who's not a pro wrestling fan if you show them an orange cassidy match they get it right they understand what they're looking at because it doesn't require extensive knowledge of what pro wrestling is to understand what orange cassidy is doing it's that strong of a gimmick so i think it was really important not only for the storylines that are going on but for the larger development of AEW as a brand that they're using Orange Cassidy and capitalizing on his popularity as the show is kind of gaining new viewers and going up in those ratings. Yeah, it definitely, we've seen that crescendo, man, 900,000, over 900,000 viewers last week, one of their highest ratings since basically the, before COVID, 
Um, so for them to get this, get back to this number leading into their biggest pay-per-view of the year is really encouraging. Um, and I like how, you know, we're con- like the Santana, Santana Ortiz and best friend storyline. Holy shit has really amped up here the last two weeks. So that should be a great match for us to see at all out, which allows the storyline to continue without it necessarily having to be just Jericho Cassidy. Again, you can extend the storyline through the people around them and then circle back to the Jericho Cassidy storyline when you need to. So um, great stuff here. Uh, anything else, Joel, before we, uh, we move on? No, I wanted to uh, talk about something and I'm going to kind of throw a stock down on this. We've had two weeks in a row now where the women's division got about a grand total of 10 minutes of Five screen minutes. time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love seeing Hikaru Shida. Uh, she's great. And there's a lot of talent in this women's division, as is on display on Mondays for the Deadly Draw right now. Uh, but a lot of your viewers of Dynamite aren't necessarily watching the Deadly Draw. So for, for anyone who's a fan of the women's division, but isn't taking the time to tune into a YouTube show, they're kind of missing out. And I miss having, you know, multiple segments featuring women prominently on the weekly television show. I felt like we were getting good momentum going for a little while and starting to see more stories develop and more segments for the women on the roster. And it just hasn't been the case the past couple of weeks. And I'm a little bit let down by that. Yeah, no, no, me too, man. Um, you know, we talked about the quarantine tapings with how they kind of made Sheeta and Britt Baker stars during that time frame. Now, how leading up to um, Double or Nothing, Chris Statlander was making that leap too, and Penelope Ford was making that leap. And obviously now Rose is already a star. So um, to say I'm disappointed, I think is an understatement. Um, you know, we, we we went back and forth a ton uh, when the deadly draw was first announced and kind of had that weird debut on YouTube about whether or not this should have been on TV. Um, you know, and I, I'd be okay with it not being on TV if there was something else going on in the division, but they basically paused the women's division on dynamite while this is going on. And that is severely disappointing. And basically two squash matches in two weeks that like, it could have been done in better ways too. Like the whole big swole Britt Baker segment, they could have made that an actual like serious competitor for big swole to face and put on a great match. And then it was just kind of a joke. And same thing here. You know, we, they had that whole promo about Sheeta wanting challengers and wanting competitors. Was this her first match since that promo? Like on dynamite, maybe not on, maybe on dark. So. She's had matches. Yeah. So what the, like, what was the point of that? that thing i like it the way they positioned it made it sound like we were gonna have like weekly challenges or weekly matches or her just trying to fight new people and i i just feel extremely let down um for what the women's division is especially when post double or nothing we were talking about how encouraged we were uh during the quarantine tapings we were talking about how encouraged we were to how they were building these stars and right now it just feels so flat and you know, if you're not, if you're going to have the deadly draw and you're not even going to bother having women on dynamite, like, I don't know. It, and you make a complaint, like not every, not every 900,000 
fan, all those 900,000 fans are watching this YouTube show every week. That's fine. That was always, it wasn't going to have the same numbers, but you're missing out on exposing these, this tournament, which is supposed to make stars uh, to the people who, who watch it. So yeah, I I'm with you there, man. I'm, I'm bummed. I'm really bummed. Now I will say I, I thoroughly enjoyed this week's episode of the deadly draw. Oh, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. And the surprise debut of uh, Nicole Savoy was awesome. She's so good. And having her as Lil Swole with Big Swole is awesome. So that's great. And I hope that she's, you know, with the company moving forward because they've done a good job of, of adding some new faces that, you know, hardcore wrestling fans will recognize. And with the additions of Ivelisse and Diamante, with Savoy, who I just mentioned, and then Tay Conti, that's a really solid base to build off of and supplement the women's division that's already there. So let's exactly. get these folks featured on Dynamite. Let's get them some better exposure and, you know, let's do more moving forward. But I'm excited for the possibilities. I just, this two weeks stretch has been a little bit disappointing in that specific regard. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we had upsets in this tournament too. So, uh, you know, the there's like, God, I'm looking at the final eight competitors now of the eight. Only three were on Dynamites more than like a month ago, six weeks ago. And I'm kind of not counting Anna Jay because she kind of disappeared for a while um, post uh, uh, evil uh, Dark Order thing. So the fact that over half of the competitors are relatively new to the company is good. And they're also giving them a chance to shine. So in the 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 deadly draw itself, great work. But man, they've dropped the ball in promoting the division. And at least they promoted the deadly draw on the show tonight. And I was, I was happy get, to see that. Yeah. And we're going to get the finals on next Saturday's special Dynamite, which I like them making a big deal of this Saturday night episode. If you're going to have a forced time change, it just happens to be up against an NXT takeover. So let's go. Make it you a know, mini pay-per-view. You know what takeover doesn't have, though? Takeover doesn't have an NBA game on right before it. And exactly. I, I do think there's a possibility that you get some people who just don't change the channel after watching that, you know, TNT uh, afternoon game. So big opportunity for them. It, it is. And I, I hope that they kick off that show with something that's, you know, high energy and exciting and attention grabbing because, you know, that would be a great way to capitalize on this opportunity. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that more later on. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you watch the Super Bowl, the network always has a new episode of a show, a debuting show right after the Super Bowl, because they know people are going to leave it on. Turn on, leave off. Uh, turn on, leave on, Tolo. Um, all right, Joel, do you want to move into something that we both probably have as stock ups? Yes, indeed. Let's do it. All right, let's move on to the TNT title match between Cody Rhodes and Scorpio Sky. And man, this, like, I know we talked about all the other matches in this challenge being really good. This was one of the first times where I really, truly felt the belt could switch hands. Sky had a special entrance, had a big fight feel. You made a really good tweet talking about how commentary was talking about Cody, setting him up as this prince 
Um, it really felt like there was a chance for the title to switch hands. And man, did, these two guys did not disappoint. This was a really fun match. Joel, what are your thoughts on this week's open challenge? I'm sad, man. I'm sad. <laughs> I wanted this one. I really wanted Scorpio to go over. I just, he looked so good carrying that belt around. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was time. I really did. Uh, but it was a great match. And I was really drawn in. I, you know, I really started to think that Scorpio Sky had a chance when he kicked out of the crossroads and everything seemed to be going his way after that. And they suckered me in. And, you know, I feel like a mark in the best way possible. (laughs) it, it, It was it was great and terrible all at the same time. Yeah, man, I I, I did not expect a title change just because I it didn't feel right in my gut to do it now. Um, But man, what a match and really good job on commentary here, promoting the injury to Cody. This, you know, the the toll of the challenge. You know, we talked about how the last week, how the story is Cody doesn't necessarily have to be with Cody versus someone. It's Cody himself. So you really need uh, not only the wrestler himself to to help get that story across, but I think commentary did a really good job talking about the wear and tear kind of the emotional drain that it's caused. And then post-match, you know, Cody kind of, if you notice, he kind of pulled away from Arn uh, after the match and kind of had a uh, more kind of pissed off face than he should have for just winning the match. So um, where this goes and man, who, who do you think you should face when you're kind of teetering on a mental edge? Mr. Brody in the dark order. Um, Will this be the one? Maybe, man. Like, if anyone can exploit the mental strain of this open challenge, it's Brody Lee. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll we'll get into that match in our in our preview. But I was expecting that we'd get a little bit of a break in this TNT Championship run, uh, in order to set up a bigger match for the upcoming pay per view. Yeah, so, it feels like because they have that special slot after the NBA game, they had to have the TNT title. That was probably the TNT exec saying, hey, if you know we're going to have you in this spot, we want this title on display to the world. So, Because um, after that, there's only what, man? Two, two more Dynamites before? Uh, two more Dynamites before All Out. So um, not that much time. Unless they just go with a surprise, which they could totally do with do that if they wanted to, um, if Cody retains. But yeah, it's I love the challenge. It's this kind of the same thing with with what we talked about with John Cena and his challenge. It was fun. It was great. It really helped get guys over. At some point, it does need to end, at least suspend, while they can get a story going on or a bigger profile match. Because these one off matches, they're great, but it's hard to promote. It's hard to really get that you know, huge main event feel, even though this match had a really big fight feel tonight, which I really appreciated, but um curious to see what the plan is for Cody come all out. It's their WrestleMania, man. Cody's Cody's their what? They're John Cena, they're Triple H. He's gotta have a big significant match and they're running out of time. Yeah, so I do have one other thing I wanted to mention on this, which is it's starting to feel less like an open challenge and more like, you know, arcade mode on street fighter 
Like, <laughs> you know, the thing about the open challenge is that it is those mystery opponents, right? It's we don't know who he's going to face. Cody goes out to the ring not knowing who he's going to face. And then somebody comes out of the back and everybody gets excited because we didn't know this was coming. And the past few that have been announced in advance, I, I think starting with Warhorse, it doesn't quite feel the same. And obviously, like we had time to build anticipation for this match between Cody and Scorpio Sky, which was cool. But I wonder if it would have been a bigger moment, especially since they were kind of flaunting the fact that they had people in the uh, stands, uh, you know, quote unquote fans in the arena. Uh, Maybe it would have been a bigger pop, a bigger moment had Scorpio not been announced in advance. And if they had had that whole setup with the door and him still come through, kick down the door in order to go to the ring, but it would have felt different and i you know it kind of took away from the the afterglow of the match to have brody lee issue that challenge and have that match made for saturday next saturday i would have preferred to have it announced that you know there will be a championship match on saturday against a mystery opponent and if that mystery opponent ends up being brody lee that's cool i don't know i just like the surprise element so, so far, we've had Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, Ricky Starks, Jake Hager, Sonny Kiss, Eddie Kingston, Warhorse, and now Scorpio Sky. Of those, the only surprises were what? Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks? Um, I believe. Because I believe Mark Quinn was an injury replacement for someone. So he was last minute. Jungle Boy was announced because it was the first one. Um, and Sonny Kiss was also like, they teased it as being a mystery, and then Cody spoiled it with his like community texting thing. So, only I think only two of the uh, matches have truly been surprises, um, which we marked out hard from Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston, and they were great moments. So I I get what you're saying. So, um, yeah, I I feel like it's one of those things where you they're towing a line of, okay, this 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 is really cool of Cody doing this challenge each and every week, but it's, the line is so, uh, it's, it's very, I think it's gonna be very difficult to not toe into, okay, you're kind of overdoing it territory. I don't think they're there yet because the matches have delivered and it's been really fun, but man, if this goes on for like another six to eight weeks, I, I will start to think that, okay, this needs to be over with, or they need to do something different. Um, and I just think Cody's too good of a, of a character too good of a story to just kind of do these short term, you know, one-off type things. Yeah. I think, you know, I was really expecting, especially given the pay-per-view that we were going to get a little bit more story development for his next opponent. And maybe we will for whoever he's going to face at uh, all out, but you know, just a nitpick on my part and we can move on. We don't have to dwell on this. Yeah, I would say let's take everyone who's challenged him and throw them into a ladder match at All Out. The double, oh, the, the, the All Out second chance ladder match for the TNT title. That's what I want. That, that's my idea. So if, if they announce that after the show next week, we know they listen. And what's up, Cody? What's up, Randy? <laughs> All right. Isn't that the biggest wrestling podcast trope? They're listening. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but fuck, man, it's going to happen. That's how you know you made it 
Like we've 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 said some things that have been really close, but I just want full straight on copyright infringement, man. Not that I have any legal action that I could take, but man, I I want that. I want that. All right, man, let's move on to our last stock up stock down segment and we're going to go with FTR's Tag Team Appreciation Night and specifically the in-ring promos from FTR, the Young Bucks, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson and the oldest shit rock and roll express and man i was borderline about to give this a thumbs down because it just seemed so hokey and a lot of ass kissing but i love tully basically just saying you jabronis don't have the title you suck (laughs) like i'm paraphrasing here he didn't call them jabronis but he basically did and i just love tully uh kind of just shitting on the segment because I was thinking the same damn thing. And then from that point on, I enjoyed everything that they did. It wasn't that much longer, but I really enjoyed how this segment ended. We finally get FTR acting like heels that they should be by attacking the 10,000-year-old men in the ring. But Joel, what was your take from this segment? And and how do you feel moving forward with the teams involved here? So Tully played the role of hanging a lantern on it so that the crowd could move on. You know, and if you're not familiar with the phrase, hanging a lantern on something is when you take something that's an obvious flaw that the audience is surely aware of, and you bring it up specifically. So you acknowledge it out loud, and then everybody can move on. They've been doing this whole, we're the best tag team, we're the best tag team. Well, neither of you have the belts, so you're not the best tag team. And the audience knows that. So by having Tully act out that role, it allows us to then be drawn back into what's happening in this feud without having to worry about the cognitive dissonance of how can they be the best if they don't have the titles. So I I liked it. And I have to give mad props to Ricky Morton for selling that bump like a maniac. I mean, that was awesome. like, Like the hall of famer he is. Yeah. I mean, he, he bounced through that, spike pile driver like it was nothing and i think i called it a spike ddt earlier my mistake i misspoke um <laughs> but really really good stuff and i really enjoyed this segment i liked sean spears coming out and kind of lurking uh there's just so much going on with this storyline involving the bucks and ftr and the tag team titles and sean spears and, you know, this potential four horsemen thing looming. So I don't know where we're going. And it's it's exciting. It's very exciting. And yeah, the Sean Spears thing, man, I just, oh man, Tully's been kind of, you see him in the crowd every week, kind of watching and waiting, watching and waiting. And the callback to the match at All Out last year where Arn came down and, and you know, gave, uh, Spears, the Spinebuster. By the way, one of the greatest like pops I've ever experienced. That was so much fun in person. It was amazing. Um, but I think I think this leads to a pretty potentially obvious match at All Out and a potential triple threat match between uh, the Young Bucks, FTR, and Kenny and Hangman. Because <laughs> that would answer the question: Who's the best tag team in the world? It would allow FTR to finally get some you know, interaction, physicalness with, with Kenny and the Bucks. And it also could potentially lead to whatever 
this other storylines going on with Sean Spears and Tully and the kind of tension we've seen for, with Kenny and Hangman and this kind of weird heelish Kenny that we're seeing. So that would be what I would like to see come out of this. And, you know, FTR, it, it, you could say FTR Young Bucks is the match everyone wants, but the, there's the Omega and Paige have been a part of this for a reason. And like, I just have to see this is where the path goes, but it's very exciting. Seems very planned kind of, you know, it's, it, I, I just don't know which way it's going to go. And I think that's an exciting thing in professional wrestling. Absolutely. So stepping back from this specific segment, what did you think about tag team appreciation night as a whole? I mean, we got little clips of different tag teams from the company talking about who their favorite tag team. I love were. that. That was so cool, man. Like I, I, I wrestling wrestlers are wrestling fans. Like you have to love this industry to want to be in this industry because it's so like it, when, when you step back and look at the wrestling industry as a whole, it's fucking insane. <laughs> like, like, you have to have passion for it. So I loved, and you know, I, I remember I, I texted you right after private party did their thing because they were talking about the Hardys and they, they go into detail in the AW unrestricted about how they were inspired by the Hardys, how much they love the Hardys and how much working with Matt means to them. So it just, you know, I really like seeing that it was a small thing, but it also like, tag team wrestling rules and these guys are tag team specialists and they're going to talk. I need to get my charger. Joel talk. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this segment as well. And uh, I thought it was cool to see all of the kind of vintage pictures of the tag teams that the, the various AEW teams brought up as their inspiration. Uh, seeing young Matt and Jeff and yeah, uh, I can when, see the young bucks. Uh, like in them wearing that ring gear, like that yeah. looks totally young bucks. Well, and then when Omega brought up the bucks and they showed that first picture of the bucks when they really were the young bucks mm -hmm. and uh, they looked like the Hardys. I mean, they really like were that's the aesthetic they were clearly going for. So I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, in honor of this segment, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you What's your favorite tag team of all time? Yeah, man. So I, I kind of, I kind of, I posted that earlier and I just, I, you have to look at the era when I got back into wrestling really hard. Cause I was watching in WCW when I was a little kid, but man, it's hard to remember those days, you know, eight, seven years old. So I really got back into wrestling in the like early two thousands. And man, whenever you heard that Dudley boy rocket, like firework right before their entrance. I got so hyped, man. I love the Dudley boys. Um, just everything they brought. It was kind of my first exposure to hardcore wrestling. Cause from what I, before that, you know, I didn't see a lot of hardcore wrestling in WCW. I wasn't watching WWE during the attitude era. So being able to see those table spots and see what they did, you know, I really loved the Dudleys Bubba Ray. You know, we, I met him, met him at ring of honor shows, dude rules. One of the biggest and scariest guys I've ever met. Um, so I, I always love the Dudleys and then I always love, I love the random pairings of tag teams. So I also really loved same era that Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit pairing on SmackDown during the SmackDown six era. And then I'm probably stealing your team's name right here too, but I also always loved the world's greatest tag team, uh, unlimited potential as a tag team for those two guys. They were so damn good. 
I'm going to give you one more Los Guerreros because Eddie and Chavo rule, and I miss Eddie so much. Joel, who's your favorite tag team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so my favorite, uh, and I think we've talked about this before, is actually Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Oh, God, I forgot. Yeah. They yeah. were just so Amazing. high energy, and they did stuff that I had never seen before. And I loved their whole aesthetic. They would come out with the like Harlequin masks on and they had the kind of baggy shorts and they had just a really cool look and they would come charging out to the ring and then they would do the the backflips off the top rope together. Uh, just really cool thing. If you didn't watch during that era, check it out. I'm sure there's clips on YouTube that you can find, yeah. but Man, they were in some great matches, and they were both tiny guys, especially for that era of WWE. You know, so they were always the underdogs and had to fly around the ring and bump like crazy and do all kinds of athletic wrestling moves. And I think they really laid the foundation for the style that I've come to love that really high energy, high octane athletic tag team wrestling. So gotta be London and Kendrick but I also gotta give honorable mention to a couple of more formative tag teams for me which were Harlem Heat and the Steiners and those two same era and they had some excellent matches in WCW and wow just great stuff Uh, the Steiners I'm flipping oh sorry keep going the, the Steiners were just phenomenal and Scott, especially early on in his career, some of the stuff that he could do was just unheard of for someone his size. So powerful, so athletic, and really tremendous. So on the flip side, what's your what's your least favorite tag team of all time? Oh man. Oh, that's um it just seems like a mean question. Like, oh I'm man, gonna these, be you really sucked. Why don't you go first? Because I think you probably have something in mind. Do you remember the Bashams? I do. Yeah, Doug and Danny Basham. I I hated the Bashams so much. Shaniqua was like when they first debuted with her like with the 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 like all the leather and the whips like I was turned on and scared at the same time, <laughs> you know, as a 12-year-old boy. Um but I always hated the Bashams and then when they were part of JBL's cabinet like I just despised that entire group and they were such, you know, they, they weren't the main attraction that obviously JBL made that whole train go, but man, I just hated their guts so much. So, so much. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, uh, uh, and, and really it's not that I dislike them. I just dislike that it, it never really went anywhere. Deuce and Domino. Oh man. That is to quote Ben Kenobi. Those are names I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> wow. Deuce and Domino. Who was? <laughs> I mean, they had like a pretty decent aesthetic. And, you know, that was a weird era of SmackDown that they were primarily featured mm-hmm. on. Uh, but I liked their look, you know, coming out kind of as greasers and with the white T-shirts and the jeans. Uh, but it just never went anywhere. 
and they yeah. both seemed like pretty competent wrestlers. So I don't know. I guess just bad creative there. But all right, Joel, I'm gonna throw one more question at you. I may cut it to keep the episode short, but and I'll go first to give you like a, an answer. What is your favorite like random pairing tag team of all time? And mine, I loved early 2000s RVD and Kane. They had a short run together, and it led directly into the story of Kane being unmasked and his championship match with Triple H. And then those two proceeded to have a great feud. But I just loved the Kane RVD aesthetic. It was so fucking cool. All right, I have two. Um, Batista and Rey Mysterio. Oh, Joel, that is a great A answer. I forgot about that. Oh, that whole bit was just excellent. And, you know, it, it happened shortly after Eddie's passing. And and so it it kind of has a, a special place because I think it was a, a cool thing for Ray to get to be featured and in that spotlight mm-hmm. and kind of in this high profile tag team while also pursuing the heavyweight championship. So that was cool. Um, and then my second answer is, is much more recent. And it's uh, Seamus and Cesaro. I loved Seamus and Cesaro, especially early on when they were just being goofy and mm-hmm. they they didn't. I, I don't think they thought that the pairing was going to last as long as it did. And if it hadn't been for injuries, they probably would still be a tag team because they were great together. But th- that was God, just I... such great stuff. Early the bar on. had a great run, man. The bar was fantastic. I mean, before they were like, the bar, though, and they were just kind of out there, you know, yeah. dancing and cutting up and, and doing all kinds of goofy stuff. Uh, I just loved it. Man. Ugh. We could do a whole bonus episode on just like tag team wrestling uh, from our childhood, because I could talk for hours about the teams that I loved watching as a kid. Well, speaking I of think... bonus episodes, uh, we, we want to bring y'all something next week, even though Dynamite's not going to be on Wednesday. So be on the lookout. We're going to come up with something just so that, you know, you still have an episode and uh, we'll uh, we'll get back to our, our regular schedule when Dynamite gets back to its regular schedule. Are we are we not going to record a, uh, a Dynamite review after the Saturday show? Well, yeah, but it won't be part of our regular schedule. Oh, OK, OK. I was just worried. I was worried. Okay. But yeah. All right. Let's move on to lightning round. Joel, I I talked about keeping the episode short and guess what? We did it. Lightning round. Oh, I guess one of us should talk. Yeah. Don't everybody talk at once. (laughs) Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, uh, the young bucks versus evil Uno and Stu Grayson. What a great tag team match to kick off tag team appreciation night. And I am just learning to love Eva Luno and Stu Grayson even more. And I know we talk about this all the time, but where they were last year leading up to all out to where they are now. Good job on reviving these guys, reviving, reviving the dark order in general. But these two guys like Brody Lee, he's going to have all the big single storylines. These are the two that need to be the focus tag team wise in that um division and let all the creepers support them yeah uh absolutely uh i'm gonna shout out uh jake roberts i really enjoyed his work 
this week, <laughs> mostly grumbling as Lance Archer was tearing his shirt <laughs> off and being like, oh, come on, man. What are you doing? I, I really enjoyed I that. that was weird, man. I thought that was weird. It was weird no overall, was but on. I enjoyed Jake's performance. I'm not going to say it wasn't weird because it was, but <laughs> it's like, come on, this is a $200 shirt. Oh, no. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the MJF John Moxley segment. I thought the promo work from MJF here was great again, and then I love Moxley tricking them, thinking he's gonna come through the crowd, and he just casually walks up behind him, nails him with a great looking paradigm shift. Good job MJF selling that, and I'm excited for this title match. That's gonna be a great main event for All Out, and just keep building it, baby. Moxley doesn't have to talk much. <laughs> Let MJF do all the talking. I want to shout out Matt Hardy losing his goddamn mind. <laughs> going berserk and throwing a referee into the garage door. Uh, hopefully there's a suspension coming his way for that because, you know, you can't put your hands on an official. So uh, let's uh, let's pr- protect the zebras. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that segment. Down with the zebras, man. Down with the zebras. And... How could we not talk about the tag team championship match between Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Lucha Express? No, damn it. Jurassic Express. How can none of us, neither of us can get that right? Ever. Ever. What the fuck? It's like it's like this thing in our brain. I Okay. Great match. Fun stuff. I enjoyed Kenny just slapping the shit out of Marco's stunt and nailing everyone with... Uh, uh, snapdragon suplexes and whatever this is with Kenny, he he it's subtle, but he looks different in the ring. He's more aggressive in the ring. He's more cocky. I love it. Keep it up, Kenny. So it it feels like the kind of like micro adjustments that Bray Wyatt was making when he was kind of subtly transitioning his character, and it, it's almost too subtle. Like I. I'm noticing it, you're noticing it, but I wonder if people who aren't as familiar with Kenny and his larger palette of of styles can pick up on it. Because, you know, like we've talked about a bajillion times, there's a whole audience of people watching AEW who didn't watch New Japan. This is their first exposure to Kenny Omega. So I wonder if it's a little bit too subtle, but I agree that his style is is definitely moving more towards that heelishness. And I just hope it's coming across for the entire audience. Well, Joel, we know that not all wrestling finds have the heightened, enlightened minds that we do. So I get it. The audience is stupid, but I think we'll see it progress to a more flat out obvious thing here over the next three, four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I said it. Screw the fans. I'm in it for me. I'm turning heel right now. It's great. My first heel turn. Uh, I'm so happy. Um, but no, no, I get what you're saying. Because um, obviously, if you watch Kenny in Japan, where you know him as the cleaner, this stuff is is familiar. You get it. But I, I like the slow build to it. And obviously, I feel All Out is the crescendo for this. That if we're going to get this, the cleaner version of Kenny and AEW, that's when we're going to see it. So. Anything else in lightning round, Joel, before we move on to next week's card? I'm good. Let's let's move on. All right. Well, next week's card, guys, is on Saturday. 
Saturday the 22nd because of the NBA playoffs. Also, a couple episodes in September are going to be pushed back too. So be aware of the programming note here over the next few months. Um, but next week, we're going to get FTR versus Private Party, which should be really damn good. Joel, I'm sure you're excited for this match because I know how much you love Private Party. I do. And uh, I just hope that Mark Quinn wrestles in tails again. Past couple of times we've I'm- seen him, he hasn't had the tail coat on, and I miss it. I mean, it's, it's such a great look. It's really good ring gear. And then following that, we are going to get the return of Darby Allen. He's in action. We talked about the importance of this show following an NBA playoff game. Good, good time to show off a young star like Darby Allen. Don't Darby's know who he's someone, facing yet. He's someone who's really popular with the younger audience. You know, back when we had the fans younger in the crowd, you yeah. frequently would see little kids with half their face painted up and, uh, you know, I think it's good that he's going to be getting a spot on this little bit higher profile show, even though it's not on their regular night. Yep. And then we're getting the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the Dark Order. Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Alan Angels. Should be a fun match. We've seen some really good stuff here from the lower tier Dark Order guys recently. And to put them in a match with athletes like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks should deliver. Should deliver. Co-signed. And then we also have the Lucha Brothers, the Butcher and the Blade versus Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, QT Marshall, and Dustin Rhodes. A little random, but screw it. It should be fun. And anything to get the Butcher and Blade on my TV is good with me. Yeah, I I agree with that completely. And AEW has demonstrated that these tag team mashups aren't what we had come to expect from the other wrestling company, where it was always a long, drawn-out kind of awkward match that would end with like 90 seconds of chaos. These matches in AEW are chaos all the way and I am here for it. So looking forward to this one. Same, same. We are then also getting the finals of the women's tag team cup tournament. Obviously don't know the people yet. Check in on Monday uh, for the deadly draw to see who advances to the finals and shout out to our buddy Larnell taking over our social accounts this week providing some great coverage of the deadly draw on AW dark. Joel, we'll hold off talking about this one until next week. Cause we don't know the competitors, but I'm glad the finals will be on TV was hoping it would be on all out, but I'll take it. Absolutely. I think whatever two teams make it to the final, uh, my money's on big and little swole at this point. Um, because I think that just builds more momentum for swole going into her big match at all out with Britt Baker but uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing these last three matches in the Deadly Draw. I enjoyed the first four, and I think the last three are going to be even better. Yeah, and maybe maybe we're you know we going to have some altered schedules here in the next few weeks. Maybe we can do something special and, and recap all seven matches that were in this tournament. And then moving on to what I would assume would either kick off the show or be the main event, Cody defends the AEW TNT Championship versus Mr. Brody Lee. Take away the challenge here and the storylines. These two are going to put on a hell of a match. And I'm just having flashbacks to some Luke Harper and uh, Stardust days. Pretty sure that latter match in San Francisco had both men in, in this. Or no, in Dallas, I think, had both of these guys in it. So, uh Looking forward to this match. It should be top quality. Joel, what do you think of this? Um, 
we kind of talked about this earlier. I'm having a hard time staying excited about these TNT open challenge matches. I need to see more of this story of Cody kind of losing it, or I need them to build a story that surrounds one of these challenge matches more than just someone popping up on a screen or cutting a promo on dark as cool as that was. And as much as I enjoyed Scorpio sky getting this opportunity, I'd like a little bit more attention to detail. So um, I'm sure it's going to be a great match. I'm probably going to have very different things to say about it after we actually see the match, but I'm just, I'm not super excited about this one right now. I could see a scenario where Brody Lee wins. And then kind of torments Cody over the fact that he lost the title over the next few weeks, months even. And then that kind of leading into kind of the mental fragility we've seen from Cody here over the last few weeks. I mentioned earlier, if there's anyone who can kind of expose that story in this scenario, the Dark Order is is the group that could do it. So, um, But that yeah, that's it for next week. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. We're on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find Joel at the other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can find Larnell at OMC Larney. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to put that in the show notes for you. But I am just not remembering exactly what MC Larney underscore ACSDWN. There we go. Um, follow our boy Larnell, uh, one of my good buddies, Wrestling Encyclopedia. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn any of the podcasting apps on the droid network um follow us subscribe give us a review it really helps us out um we're we're looking to keep this going god we're almost at 50 episodes i think joel i think we're almost like to like 40 right now so you know did go us i guess but um just really really excited doing this so give us a follow give us a subscription uh, subscribe i'm struggling right now it is late joel anything to add before i go to sleep uh, join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.